everybody. It is a pleasure to, uh, to, to be learning Torah together. Today we're going to be learning a topic which is very important in the lifetimes of people. Thank you so much. In the lifetimes of people. Um, and that is coffee on Shabbos. You know, coffee is not really a drink. Coffee is actually a religion. But not, luckily enough, coffee is a religion which is compatible to Judaism. So, it is, so in, that, in lieu of that, it's important for us to appreciate how it was compatible specifically in, uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to Shabbos. And the steam is just ready right now. I want to take a moment to, to, to thank... David and Irene Foyer, who are sponsoring this morning's shiur, as we uh, note the upcoming yard site of David's father, Nachum Zev Ben Shimon, who was uh, a u- very unique person. He was actually a Ritchie boy. So he was involved in, uh, um, on this side of the Atlantic, um, fighting Germany, and ultimately also a paratrooper um, at Normandy as well, which is uh, on D-Day. So a person whose uh, sacrifice is a re- well, part of the reason why Freedom is not free, as it says in the world, in the memorial down in DC. And Be'ezrat Hashem, Nishmos Ha'ed, and Nishir continue Nachas from his family, his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Be'ezrat Hashem for many, Langa Yaren. Be'ezrat Hashem for the rest of the Mishpacha. So let, 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 us, let us learn together. We have a lot, we have a lot to, to, to talk about when it comes to coffee on Shabbos. People say, the, the question usually goes, Rabbi, you just like, can I do this? You know, and the truth is, is that it's the, these types of questions have complexity to them multiple layers. I'd like to go through some of those layers just to appreciate the complexity that's involved in some of these Shilas and uh, as it applies to, to coffee. So this is where in the summer we're doing well from the Shiloh archive. We're going through to real Shilas and these are real Shilas but it's important to, to, to go through them in a sequential, in a logical fashion one to one, uh, from start to finish. So we're going to go in the, in the following order for the following reason. Here's, here's how we're going to start. We're going to start with something called instant coffee. And the reason why it's important to start with instant is, we'll, we'll see in a few minutes why, 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 why we have to go in this, in this particular order. So let's start off with instant coffee. So we have our, our instant whatever we're talking about over here. This happens to be Nescafe, Taster's Choice. This is a house blend, light to medium, light to medium as we can see over here. So we're going to start off with, our, with instant. So what are the concerns? Let's just lay the groundwork for, for our concerns here. The first concern that we're going to have when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to instant coffee, and this is the most basic concern of coffee on Shabbos, is the notion of visual. Do you, are, you, are you cooking on Shabbos or not? And that, that's a very serious concern. So what is, what is the halacha in this case? How does, how does it work? Well, let's, let's start at the beginning. So the first thing we, we, we should be aware of is, is that there, in order to cook, it needs to be the right context and the right temperature to cook. So that means to say, if you have something which is what's called a clearishon. That's where cooking happens. So what is a clearishon? A clearishon is where the water is on the fire, where it is, even if it's no longer on the fire, as an example. So a, a hot pot on Shabbos, a kettle, a coffee machine itself, where the boiling is going on at the top, it's very hot at the top of this machine, that is all a clearishon. So if I were to open up the top now, this is actually in the middle of boiling as we're speaking, but this just finished boiling. If I were to open the top and put um, something in there which is uncooked, that would be considered bishul midah rice. I have cooked, or it is akin to, to my taking a pot on the stove and placing you know, a potato in it, an egg in it, and I'm cooking that. That is considered bishul. So that's a very serious concern. And that's on what we'll call the primary, primary part of bishul. But now let's say that I'm no longer in my clearishon. So let's say I'm taking my clearishon and I'm pouring it into my clearishoni. So I've got my special cup, naturally. <laughs> There's no implications on any presidential races. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, um, this, uh, so let's, let's assume that a person is taking, let's say one puts one's 
one's coffee into one's klisheni. This is my second from the fire right now. And then I pour from my klirishon into my klisheni as an example like this. So in that case, that would be what's called klirui klirishon. Irui klirishon, the pouring from a klirishon. Pouring from a klirishon is mevashel, what's called a kadei clipper. A not, it's not a full cooking, but it will cook the outer layer of something which is raw. So if we were to, whatever I'm putting into my klisheni is raw, then it'll be cooking, and a kadei clipper, when it comes to grain or granules, is cooking. So that's a problem. So that's also cooking like it would be if I put the coffee actually in the pot itself, right? What happens if it's the other way around? So let's say I pour all my, well, I, I pour all my water, my hot water, my boiling water into my klisheni, and now I take my, um, and now I take my, um, my, my, my coffee, and we haven't got to the status of coffee for a second yet, but let's assume it's raw. Let's assume coffee is raw for a second. And I put it into my klisheni. What's the halach of a klisheni? Okay, so here's my klirishon, here's my klisheni. Now, technically speaking, somebody actually got this as a gift for us. It's a little jug which says klisheni on it, right? <laughs> which is quite helpful because besides it being a very nice gift, you, what it means is you could do klirishon, klisheni, and then klishlishi. Right, so just to make things a little easier, and people are generally not drinking out of this. So if let's say I, I have it in my klisheni, what is the halachic status of a klisheni? So the Gemara tells us that a klisheni is not mivashel. A klisheni does not cook. Okay, good. If that's the case, then it would be possible to put, even if it's boiling water, technically speaking, um, something into a klisheni uh, from a technical perspective. Let me just go backtrack for a second. Um, a klirishon is only going to cook when it is a, at a particular temperature. I mean, so this is no, does not remain a klirishon forever. It only remains a klirishon when the water is at the, a certain bar, which is called Yad Soledes Boy. What is Yad Soledes Boy? Rav Moshe Feinstein puts it at Lechumra at 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so that's not so hot. That's not so crazy hot. Um, there are those who put it a little higher, 120, 125. But Lechumra, once, once it sinks below 110, then you can use it because it's gone now into what's called Luke territory. That's not cooking. It's not going to be able to do the full job of cooking, right? But let's assume that it's still boiling and that's how I like to have my coffee. So I, I take my boiling water, I put it into my klisheni. Okay, so I'm going to treat this as klisheni from here on inwards. Okay, so I have my klisheni. Can I put something which is not cooked into my klisheni? So the answer is yes, technically speaking. Tosis explains that because the dofnos makararos, which means to say, that there's going to be a heat exchange between the hot water, which is coming from my klirishon, and the cold walls of my klisheni. And what's going to happen is it's going to regulate the temperature. So the walls are going to get hotter, the water is going to get cooler. And by the time, if you sort of graph it, by the time the cooking needs to happen, which is the raising of temperature in the substance I'm putting inside, and the time that the water is cooling down as a function of the heat exchange of the walls, it's not going to be long enough to cook. Right? That's, what, that's what's generally understood. Okay, so... This is cooling down too fast to cook whatever is in it. That's what's, uh, that's what's generally assumed. That's how Tosis explains it. That being the case, you'd say, okay, so we're scot-free. Anything which is uncooked, let's put it straight into our cliché. Good? Not so simple because the Mishnah tells us that there are certain things which makes a very intuitive sense. There are certain things which do cook in a klisheni. They're what's called kaleha bishel, things which are easy to cook. So the threshold of cooking them is much lower. So they'll be like the, 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 the Gomorrah talks, or the Mishnah talks about what's called kuliyas hispanim, a type of Spanish mackerel, and uh, talks about certain types of spices, which they were, were, were more well-known in those days, that obviously have a very low threshold of cooking. If I have it in my boiling water, in my klisheni, I have a problem. 
right? So that's what, that's what the Gemara says, uh, the, 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 the Mishnah says as well. So you have to be so careful about certain substances. Now the question becomes, okay, so are those examples or they're the rule? That's the, that's the question that, that, that's asked in, in Halacha. And, and there, there seems to be a number of examples of things which are not kaleabishal, clearly resilient substances which don't get cooked so easily. But in Halacha, there's a big debate. And in the classic, classic poiskim, the Margaret Avram is an example, tells us that we are concerned um, that many foods, unless we are sure that it is a resilient food, we are going to have to assume that it is a low threshold food, unfortunately, in Halacha today. Which means to say is that Although there are poets who disagree with this, who don't view this, it's sort of like, we know a number of examples the Gemara talks about things which don't cook so easily. We know a number of things the Gemara says do cook very easily. But most of the foods don't fall into those, into, into those examples. So what do you do about the middle? What's about the middle ground? Where does that belong? So today the Magadah Rama says, because of a concern, we're not exactly sure what the threshold of cooking is for each different substance, we treat the cliché as bishul for most things, with the exceptions of the following. So the exceptions of resilient food are oil, water, cooked and cooled down liquids. Although generally speaking, when a liquid gets cooked and cooled down, we treat it like cooking again, but if in a cliche, we're not worried about it. Um, and uh, soluble solids, well, we'll get to, that, get to that in a moment. So the, the, the Chazanish disagrees. The Chazanish says in a cliche, we only deal with the really sensitive foods is a problem. Most things are fine. Don't be so negative about every, every, every food. But nonetheless, generally speaking, generally speaking, common practice today is not to put an uncooked food into a cliche for this reason as well. Um, we treat the Iri cliche, which is pouring from the cliche as the same as a cliche, which leads us now to our third, and now we're going to actually reorient this now, as our Kli Shlishi. So our Kli Rishon is our part. Our Kli Shani is our first vessel that comes, the, the, the water comes out into. Our Kli Shlishi is our cup that we're probably drinking from. Okay, that's what we're getting to on, on Shabbos. Where does that belong? This happens to be an interesting debate in the Paiskim. So for instance, the Chazonish actually is Mach when he says that our Kli Shlishi is the same as our Kli, uh, our Kli Shlishi is the same as our Kli Shani for cooking. Now, from the Chazonish's perspective, that actually is helpful because he only believes that the Kale Abishal in the Klisheni is limited, much unlike the Mogan Avram, where it is almost every food. That's actually helpful. Um, the the Arach HaShulchan says similarly that the Kale Abishal are a problem in a Klishlishi as well, anything which is easy to cook. But you should, well, a well-known shuv of Rav Moshe Fansin says that a Klishlishi is not Mavashal, period. There is no such thing as, as cooking in a, in a Klishlishi. That being the case, let's now go back to our... Uh, um, to, 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 our, uh, to our starting point over here. So that being the case with the general practice of the world today um, is to say that a klishlishi is not mevashel even when it comes to, even when it comes to, 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 to regular substances except for the ones that we know specifically are the kale abishal. Does that make sense? So let's, go, let's just re retrace the steps for a second. You put something which is raw into a klishon, cooking, that's cooking midaraisa. If you have a klisheni, Technically speaking, only the Kale Abishal are a problem, but because we're, we, we extend the territory of what's called a Kale Abishal, most things, unless it's a resilient food, we don't put into raw into a cliché. But when it gets to a cliché, Rav Moshe's Feinstein says there's no problem with anything in there. And there are a post like the Arach HaShulchan, the Chazanish, who say, 
We are only concerned about things which are specifically like finding ground spices and so on. The specific examples of Kali Abishal, that's what you should be concerned about. It's worthwhile noting that the Mishnah Brewer is Machmir when it comes to Klish Lishi. So when the Mishnah Brewer in Simon Shin Yod Ches talks about making tea, the Mishnah Brewer does not say you should use a Klish Lishi. What does the Mishnah Brewer say? You should use in order to make tea, because tea is finely ground leaves, which are raw, being placed and being cooked, right? They're being cooked. So the Mishaburah does not say, place the tea leaves into Kalishlishi. What does the Mishaburah say? The Eitzah is? He, tea, he says tea essence, which is, what is tea essence? Where I pre-cook it on Shabbos in a liquid, so it's now highly concentrated taste of tea. I pour the tea essence into a Kalishlishi. Why? Because it's already cooked water. So that's, that's something which we would say is fine to put into a klishlishi, but he would not allow a, a putting a tea leaves into a regular klishlishi. It's worthwhile knowing if you are of a family that does tea essence, then you are more of the, okay, that stream of halacha is more machmer about a klishlishi in general, and that would have impacts on our coffee discussion as well. Good? So this is, this is just, this, 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 this relates to grinds, instant, anything. This is the, 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 the basics, okay? So, Klirishon, nothing, nothing raw can go into. Klisheni, um, we generally practice that most raw things shouldn't go into unless it is a resilient food. Klishlishi, some people put anything raw into it, like Ramosha finds in some machmir for specifically sensitive foods, and some are machmir across the board, like the Mishnabura, not to put anything unless it's been already cooked into a Klishlishi. We good? Let's, let, 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 and now let's go for a little further. So let's try to get to instance. You say, okay, well, what is instant precisely? Some people say it doesn't exist. It's not a... It's a it's a, it's a fabrication um, of, of what really is. Instant essentially is, is just a convenience, if you think about what it is. Because real coffee, where you get real coffee from, is actually, um, is actually co uh, the, the, the coffee bean, which is ground up. Okay? The coffee bean in this, when you, when you uh, take a sniff of this, right, you, you'll, you'll never again be able to, 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 to have instant. Because if you have the real, the real beans, which have been ground up, which are raw, then it'll be very hard to go to instant. But the problem is like this, is that the granules are very hard to deal with. It's a process to make them as we're going to go through in a, in a moment. So it's much more convenient to have something which you don't have to do much more than pour and, uh, and stir. So what, what this leads us to, to our instant. So what happens to, to our instant? But before we get there, just one, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do a quick, uh, quick mom uh, moment to understand instant. What happens to the instant? Instant starts off as a regular bean. Right? So it's, bean, it's a bean, it's ground up, and then it's brewed. But it's brewed in a highly concentrated fashion. And now you have a liquid of highly concentrated real coffee. But in order to, to send it to the masses out on the shelves in the stores, what do they do? They need to convert that into something which we can just put into our tea, into our, into our hot water, and boom, you have, you have coffee as if it's the same thing. So what do, you, so what do they do? Say they dry it. They have to dry that substance, that highly concentrated brewed coffee and turn it into something which I, in my kitchen, on my counter, can just put into my coffee. So what do they, what, 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 do, what do they do? There are two processes of drying. One is called spray drying and one is called freeze drying. What is spray drying? Is where they spray this liquid into a very hot, at a very hot temperature. The water in the, in, in the actual um, this brewed coffee evaporates, leaving behind granules of concentrated coffee, essentially, which is now the grains of instant coffee, or freeze-drying is where they actually take that liquid and they freeze it and then break it up into, the uh, freeze it and then, they, uh, and then they dehydrate it at a high temperature and then remove the, uh, 
Um, and, then, and then they break it up into little granules, well, not granules, but actually little flakes, really, which turns into instant coffee as well. Well, knowing the OU notes, that Nescafe is generally um, freeze-dried, and when it comes to regular uh, uh, other coffees, it's usually spray-dried. Just worthwhile noting the difference between, uh, between that. So let's understand the process of what just happens to us to get to, to this point. So on the one hand, you say to yourself, well, that's, that's great, because we know in halacha that there's a notion that I can't recook a food. So for instance, let's say I have my chicken, and I've, I've made my schnitzel on Erev Shabbos, and it is fully cooked, ready to go. Beautiful. Fantastic. Am I allowed to put it on a heat source, that dry chicken? The answer is, if the heat source is covered, yes, you're allowed to put it on Shabbos, because you're not, there's no concern of cooking on Shabbos. There's another concern of shahia, which we'll get to in a moment. There's no concern of cooking per se on something which is already cooked. You cannot recook your, uh, uh, actually, let's see, yeah, schnitzel's a good, a good example, not, not a roast for a second. But let's say my schnitzel, let's say whatever else is my cooked chicken, uh, I cannot recook that. What about liquids? So when it comes to liquids, there happens to be a debate in Allah between the Ashkenazim and the Sephardim. The Ashkenazim, the Ramah says, tells us that when it comes to liquids, if I cook my liquid and then it cools down. So let's say I have soup. I have hot soup from Erev Shabbos, and now the soup cools down overnight, but I want to serve soup again. It's a, cool, a cold winter day. I want to have soup for lunch. I cannot reheat it on Shabbos because now that it is cooled down, it has lost the effect of the bishul essentially, and putting that cold, that, that cold or that room temperature liquid back and recooking it is a problem. That's called bishul. Yesh bishul acha bishul bedavar lach when it comes to wet, but ein bishul acha bishul bedavar yavesh. Good. So now we say, well, let's come back to our coffee for a second. So we say, well, our coffee, our instant coffee, has been brewed already. That's why it's already good. So it's brewed is cooked. Water and substance cooked together, I've uh, brewed it, which means nothing I do to it now should be a problem, correct? Well, that, that's true. The only complexity that exists over here is the process of freeze drying or, or spray drying. Because actually, Rabbi Yashua says that in the process of spray drying, that's my Maxwell house, if I'm dealing, dealing with the spray drying, remember it's going through a very hot temperature. The, the liquid is being sprayed through a very hot temperature to remove, to evaporate the liquid. That may constitute what's called tzli, right? That's hot baking without, not in the context of a liquid cooking something. That being the case, it may actually lead us to a situation where I have something which is roasted now. Maybe the last definition of it is as roasted. If the last definition is as roasted, now... Can you roast, can you cook something after you roast it? And the answer is, the Shulchan says we should be machmir for that, which is why on Shabbos, generally speaking, one should be careful about putting bread, which is roasted, dry heat, roasted and baking is the same, afian sli is the same for this, putting that, pieces of bread, into my soup bowl, if my soup bowl certainly is a kli, shani, right? Because yeah, I, have, I have a general category of food, which is going into something which is certainly yad soledis, boy, it's certainly above, the, uh, above 110. And now I'm taking something which was not cooked, but was baked, putting it into, now there can be effective cooking after that. Rosh Hashanah says, that's true about bread, but it's not true about uh, instant coffee, because instant coffee was cooked first. So you can't uncook it by ro roasting it. You can add an additional layer that makes it even better, but you can't remove the fact that it was cooked. So Rosh Hashanah Paskins, that in fact, when it comes to our instant coffee, because it was cooked, there's no cooking again afterwards. The only other concern that exists, I just want to, uh, this is why the, 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 there's a lot of like theory that goes into the instant coffee before we get there. The last thing that's worthwhile knowing is, 
is instant coffee considered a solid? So you say, uh, Rabbi, <laughs> Rabbi, it's a solid, it's flakes, right? <laughs> so the, answer, the truth is it's not so simple because this is actually what's called a soluble solid, which means to say, is it di this, this doesn't cook, this melts. This was liquid and will be liquid. Okay, it was just, it was just evaporated. So when it comes to something like this, as opposed to a chicken, my chicken does not melt when I put it into water, right? It, does not, it is a substance which remains and will be cooked when it gets into, into another substance. This coffee was a liquid, and when it goes into a liquid, it will melt into the liquid again. In that situation, do we consider that a liquid or a solid? So although there are many post who say that that's considered a liquid, and therefore, yesh bishlach a bishl, bedovarlach. Maybe there is a bishl after this when it comes to a dovarlach, even though it was already cooked, right? So I could treat this like my soup, which is cooled down essentially then in that respect. Um, however, if you remember, let's go back to, 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 to a, few steps, a few steps before. A good question is different types of soup, salt. Just remember, salt itself is a debate in halacha as to whether it's more resilient or it's completely unresilient. Well, that's, that's a debate that's had, but there's another piece about salt is it depends if it's mine salt or if it's sea salt. Sea salt was boiled, mine salt was not. So just, just to be aware of this, when you look at the side of your salt, you'll just see where it is. Is it dead sea salt? That was boiled. Right, so it wasn't mined. When you go to Polish salt, Polish salt was mined from the mines down by Warsaw. Okay, just to be aware of the other types of salt. Now, so you say, I'm just trying to eat, Rabbi, I'm just trying to eat. Okay, but now, <laughs> so now, when it, when it comes to this, you'll remember that let's go back to this, and now we can finally get to, now we can finally get to something practical, because this is all theory, but it's important theory. Right, so now we say like this. So let's say, so, so if you remember, we have our cliché-ni, our cliché is cook, cooks anything raw. Our cliché cooks anything raw, which is sensitive. We're concerned about most foods, which are sensitive, except they're resilient. But our cliché we say, is not going to cook, Right, and, uh, and in fact, even a cliché doesn't cook things, all with exceptions, water, oil, and the other one thing was liquid, which is cooled down, which means in a cliché, even if we consider this liquid that cooled down, and you say, oh, well, this is called a liquid, and a by a liquid, well, that's not a problem by a cliché. So therefore, at this point in time, what was that? Certainly not in cliché, and even in a cliché, um, for, for all intents and purposes. So now, now that we've reached this point, now we can say, okay, now let's, let's take, it looks like our water's just boiled here in a nice Shabbos urn. Okay, so we're gonna do, we're gonna take, a, 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 this is my cliché-ni essentially. Okay, so now we have our first, our first available coffee, uh, coffee mixture over here. And so we have it, we have a nice hot water, this is just boiled as we were speaking. And now if I take my, my, my instant, this is my instant which is already cooked, arguably also roasted, but let's say cooked, right? So now I can put this in as I mix it in to my, to my hot water, which is certainly more than 110 degrees. It's now all gone, right? It smells great. By the way, Instant does not have a smell. They add smell to it to make it smell like real coffee. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so, <laughs> which is why it goes away at the bottom of the container. It always smells best when you open the container. And like real coffee, which always smells because it's real. Okay, but, <laughs> okay, but let's, let's do this for, 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 for a moment. So now I have my first cup of coffee over here. Even in, according to many points, can be cliche. There are some points can say do it in a cliche. But certainly, uh, certainly there's less of a concern of instant in a cliche because even if we consider liquid, we have our first cup over here. Can I ask them just to give me some more cups of that? That's right, because we're going to make some more coffee now. Okay, so this is my first cup. Anybody's welcome to have our first round of instant. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not a, a coffee critic to do for that. Yes. So if you want to do, so certainly you could do eerie cliche with instant. Certainly, yeah, absolutely. So if I were to put my, 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 my coffee, my instant coffee flakes into my cliche and I pour into it, we're all set. <laughs> for sure. There is a significant taste difference between For sure. When you add the hot water to the coffee, 
Precisely, if you if you come so, from England, you will know that it is pasnish to put the tea bag into the right. tea. So, so you pour the water one. onto the tea because that's so the first, and that's precisely what Erie Clearition is. Hundred percent, which is the thing. Thank you so much. Yes. Oh. Okay, there we go. Alish, yes. Ah, uh, good question. So there is a question about, about, about coloring. Rav Moshe actually asked the following question. In his trivia, he says, wait a second. Um, you're telling me that that klishlish is not a vashel, but I put my tea bag into my klishlish and you see the color dispersing. So he says, yes, that's just, that, that actually isn't cooking. That's the extraction of taste just through, through, through absorption. Now, coloring when it comes to, uh, to, to food is a question which is had. Many people can say it, it seems to be the, the default position is no tzviya ba oichelen. But that's when, you're, when, when the color doesn't matter to you, meaning... Let's say I'm using it and, I, and it matters to me that I want it to be a different color, then there's a concern. But in this case, you, you don't want it to be brown or red. Or you just, you, you're just, just having, so that's, there's no concern in this, in this regard. Okay, now folks, now we get to, are we, are we, we're good. Now, now we have a lot of that theory. Now we can start getting to, 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 to the, to the shadows of real coffee, not just instant coffee. Yes, Paul. You have to put the, the uh, instant coffee into the cup after you pour the hot water into your Correct, container. absolutely, yeah. You could not put it there at the, at the, at the beginning because that would be a, that would, well, you could say that you, it, it, there's a, there are poiskim who are concerned about instant coffee. So to avoid that, some people in the cliche, you will sort of put it into a cliche. Let's get, let's get into our, into, 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 into our grinds now for a second, okay? Actually, this is a kettle, so we're not using the kettle on Shabbos, but that's just for... Can't, can't do it. So now there's different ways of dealing, dealing with pour overs. So right over here, I, I want to thank David uh, for bringing his pour over over here. So we have a, a, a regular bowl, a brew basket um, for, for, for our grinds. There are different ways of doing this. So for instance, I used to also have a nice pour, pour over, single cup pour over. So you could use a, you put the, you put the filter into the, the, the pour over, you place it on the cup and you go from there. Um, however, you know, filters and you have to keep replacing them, you keep forgetting where the filters are. So there's, there are other options these days, and so you can get these these uh, reusable filters, which are fantastic. It's a very very fine fil filter, which I use. So when I when I'm doing real when I'm doing real coffee, and and the coffee grinds do not go through this for the most part, and you put it over a cup. So let's let, 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 let's talk about this uh, uh, um, for for a moment. So let's say I'm dealing with real grinds. Let's get the real grinds out. So I hope that people can really smell it from where you are right now because this is so good. This happens to be, um, this happens to be, uh, I want to thank actually Jay Delitsky gave me from the Chosen Bean down in Florida, for those uh, who are coffee, coffee critics. So the, the Japanese, they say about a tablespoon, but you know, it depends again on your, because this is finely ground coffee. This is, this is wonderful. So let's put, we put it into, 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 our, uh, into our filter for a moment, okay? So whether the filter is a chad pa'ami or not a chad pa'ami, so I have my coffee in here. So now this is, at this point in time, completely raw, right? This is a completely raw coffee. Which means that if I were to put these, gra these, these granules of coffee into my clearishon, that would be considered special midoraisa. We're not doing that. Nobody's that, 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 that way. Although I will tell you in the Shul's machines, you'll be surprised what people have done. Okay. <laughs> people have suddenly have put the grains into the top of the machine. Um, yeah, so that's not so good for the machine. Okay, so... so um, Sometimes it's you, yeah, people are desperate too. I've, I, I wouldn't put it past people chomping on the granules if they couldn't <laughs> find the water. But nonetheless, okay, so, so let's, let, 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 let's say we have, we have it over here. So now you say, okay, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll pour it. I need, like, like, like Shalom just said a, a moment ago, there's a difference between the first pouring and then just the war hot water, right? So let's say I pour it directly onto my, I, I pump out of my hot pot into my, into my granules. 
Well, that's a problem because that's irreclarition, which is mevashal kadei clipper, which a uh, very thin layer is cooked, and this is only a very thin layer because this is a right. The granules are so are so fine, certainly when they're ground properly. So that's a real problem. So I say, okay, what about a klisheni? So let's say I pump into my into my pot now, and I pop, uh, pump into my klisheni, and now I want to put into my klisheni, and, and now oh no, so 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 let's say I want to do a pour from my klisheni into this. More complicated because irreclisheni itself is similar to klisheni. And if it's mevashel, if it's mevashel, something which is raw, like these grinds, that's a little bit of a problem. But let's say I pour it into my kli shlishi. So now I have my kli shlishi and I have my hot water. And I take my hot water and pour it over here. According to most poiskim, with the exception, let's say, of the Mishnah Brewer, who would say about the tea essence, which would be translatable to here. According to most poiskim, once I'm at my kli shlishi, and I'm pouring out from my kli shlishi, that's fine. Right? Because now I have, now I'm essentially, if you think, think what's going on over here, I'm now using a Iriklishlishi, which is only Mavashel. Rakondra well, Moshe is not Mavashel at all. According to the Arach Shulchan, is only Mavashel, the sensitive Kaleh This is my, This is probably not going to be one of those, those instances. It's not, that's not in a tea leaves, maybe, but, uh, but gra- coffee grinds, not necessarily. That would be fine. So that would be the way that I'll be able to do this to avoid the question of Bishel. Note that there are posts, some points, Kim will just say, no. You can't, a cliche, she's still mavashel. This could still be considered kalabashel. Let's avoid it. Use instant, right? Because instant's already been cooked. But of course, there are many points, and certainly Rav Moshe, one, one can rely on when it comes to this, when it comes to using a cliche, but this runs into a much more complicated shala, and it's not a bishel shala altogether. This is the shala, which is, to me is so fascinating, which is the boyer shala. Because he has the issue. We know on Shabbos, that you are not allowed to separate the bad from the good. And you're certainly not allowed to do it with a kli, with a vessel. But look what's happening over here. Here I'm taking my bad and good, right? So I'm taking my granules. Now the granules are very good, but I don't want them in my coffee. <laughs> so I don't want to be drinking coffee while the granules are floating around. I'm not a Turkish fan, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just have my coffee. So now I'm using a misanenis, whether it is a misanenis like this, where I'm using a, a sieve, which is my filter, or whether I'm using my, my filter over here, which is my, uh, my, 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 my reusable filter, and I'm filtering out the granules. So isn't, the, isn't that a, the, the most clear case of Borer? That being the case, I may be able to surmount the visual issue, but how could I possibly surmount the Borer issue? That becomes a real issue. So, so here's, here's, so here, here we go. So let's let's go. Let's let's do a little bit of the, the research on this. So the Mishnah tells us in Shabbos. The Mishnah tells us uh, uh, tells us in Shabbos that you are not allowed to take. Now the Mishnah in those days, coffee wasn't the thing. It was kind of discovered later by the Ottomans. In fact, I once went to a, to a coffee exhibit at the Peabody Museum in um, in Yale. Um, it was a, really a fantastic history of coffee. You know how they discovered coffee. In the first place, is they found that the goats were very jumpy around certain bushes, right? <laughs> and so they said there must be something. And originally, the Ottomans had the trademark; they wouldn't allow anybody out of the kingdom. They would search them for beans, so nobody could replant, re, um, replant them elsewhere and start producing. Very fascinating history for for coffee. Um, but beer is the may. So um, when, when it comes to, um, let me just uh, re- retrace my, tra- my train of thought. Yes. So the Gomorrah doesn't talk about coffee. The Gomorrah does talk about wine. So remember, alcohol is a, a very important thing in, 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 in people's lives. Um, and so le- in those days, the, let's say you were, to make, you were to make a barrel of wines. You take the grapes, you, cry, you squash them up, you let them sit, and it's fermenting, and it ferments, and you leave it in the barrel, and you finished your, your process, and now you have wine. Good. 
So now you want to take a full advantage of everything that you that you produced. So let's say I pour out the wine and I I, I, I bottle it, right? So I, this barrel produces tens and tens of bottles. Fantastic. And now the bottom is the sediment. So uh, you know today's day and age you just throw out the barrel and the sediment because we don't care about anything. But in those days they actually cared about everything. And they, they took the sediment and they said, well, if we can use the sediment, it's obviously highly concentrated um, L, 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 wine, essentially. We can actually use this. And so they used that to create grappa. mead or grappa, whatever they, what they would do is they would pour over water in order to, to extract the concentrated taste of the wine um, and now create a new, a new substance, not as expensive as wine, but certainly quite as potent as wine. So what that, that, that's what they would do. So the, Gemara, the Mishnah tells us in Shabbos, on Kuf Lamed Zayin, that you're not allowed to take um, the wet sediment, so let's say you scrape the bottom of the barrel, you take the wet sediment and you put it into a filter and you allow it to drip, to drip down. You're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. Why? That's a classic case of borer. I now have a mixture of sediment and liquid and I'm putting it into a misanenis, into a sieve. You're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. But, says the Mishnah, if the sediment was already on the filter, I'm allowed to pour water over it in order to get it. And this is Paskin Shulchan Aruch in Simon Shin Yud Tes. Um, um, test. Zohar says you're allowed to um, place water over the sediment in a filter already. And the Mephoshim explained that it's when we talk about when it's dry, not wet, right? So we talk about where you're, you're taking dry, dry sediment of the, of the grapes and pouring water over it. Why? Why is this not boirer? So there's, the, the, the way the Toysis read explains it is, um, is that in the end of the day, Paul, you're, 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 you're relating to this, is in the end of the day what goes in and what goes out is water, right? So what goes in is water and what comes out is water. It's the same volume of water, in fact. The only difference is the water tastes different. It now tastes of the wine. So in that case, there was no borer. Perhaps framed a different way. The way I understood this mission just in, 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 its, in, its, in its way of expressing it is, there was never a mixture, if that makes sense. There was never a mixture. If there's a mixture, now I'm not allowed to separate a mixture, but here, there was never a time to create a mixture because the water's coming in and it's going out at the same time which means that there was never a time where there was bad and good mixed together now that I'm separating the good from the bad and taking it away with uh, with uh, with it. Uh, it's not so either. What was that? It's not so Correct, exactly. So therefore, coming back to this, so let's let, let's let, let's do this, uh, do, uh, do this. So in this case, the Shulchan Aruch says explicitly, this is a directly akin to coffee brewing, right? Directly akin to it. This is instead of taking the taste out of the wine dregs or sediments, it's now taking the taste out of the grinds. Right, in this case, avoiding the Bishal Shiloh for a second in terms of the Borer Shiloh is no question. So let's do this together quickly for a second. So this is how, how I would do it. I have my Kli Rishon. I turn, it, turn to my Kli Shani. So let's say I put my Kli Shani over here. So I'm using my air pump. I take my, uh, my Kli Shani. I now put it into, I put my Kli Shani into my Kli Shlishi. Okay, so here's my, here's my Kli Shlishi. You, everybody's gasping, oh my gosh, so much heat exchange. And that's precisely the point. And now, it just depends how you do this. You're supposed to, for the real, the real connoisseurs, you have to preheat it, but we're not doing that right now. So, so, you, so you, you're supposed to go in a circular fashion, and you go around and around and around. This, this, is, this is brewing as we speak. Okay, so this is essentially what we, what we have over here. Now it goes through. It takes a few seconds. It's now dripping through, and as you can probably smell, this is, this is freshly brewed coffee on a single serve. It's not as good as if it would have been on a weekday when it would have been um, from a clear ration. That's the point. You're not supposed to cook on Shabbos. Um, so so the, um, I now have, I've now produced my first cup of freshly brewed coffee on Shabbos, avoiding the shilas of Bishel and avoiding the shilas of Boirer. 
Good. So this this is important, which leads us now to the next situation, which is very important. Rabbi, so you know, hang, hang on first. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying, but it's staying. I see it's staying the filter for some. Good question. So you know, the truth is, is that apparently that's not enough to take to, to, to create a mixture. That's according to my or according to the the toast is read, the piss cat read. In the end of the day, it's going. It's water in, water out. So that doesn't make a difference how long it stays in the middle, but clearly in the wine, the same question would have existed. And the Mishnah still says it's a very mission in Shabbos Kuflam and Tesla and which says it's all right. And the Chokhan Arapaskans it explicitly, so in our case, that's not Bayram. That's just a fascinating application. So now you say, okay, let me show you a really cool, cool machine. <laughs> this is great. This is the, the, there's a few different iterations of this machine now. This is for, the, uh, for, 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 for people who just can't do um, instant, but they can't, you know, need to have something on Shabbos. So there's a few, this one's called Ignite, there's a Gourmia, there's a few versions of what this is. What do you do? So the, this machine is essentially a single serve, serve K-cup option. What do you do? So you take a K-cup and you place it essentially, so I have my, my K-cup, which is, what's inside a K-cup? Grinds. Okay. Now just be honest, this for a second, is really grew, properly brewed coffee needs time, right? But we don't have time. So, but, but, so K-cups are a faster version of brewing. But on this, so let's say I take my Pike Place Roast. Um, star Starbucks, right? And I'll stick it in over here. Um, actually, we're going to start the other way around. We're going to do our, uh, our uh, Kirkland uh, donut shop <laughs> option. Okay, and I'll explain to you why in a second. You place it into, the, you place it in, you pop it in. Okay, now it pierces, right? There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, a, a blade at the top which pierces the, uh, pier, uh, pierces it. I pierce it over here. Now let's go back to this. Let's think about our situation. It's is essentially exactly the same thing as my brew, my, my single brew. Why? What's happening is I now have the possibility of a filter. Where's the filter in this case? It's in the K-cup. That's how K-cups work. So the K-cup has a filter inside of it. It's surrounded by a filter. I have the brew, I have the granules in the K-cup. I'm pouring water in. Is it an issue of boiler air? No. In the same way as this, in, say, in the same way that a regular filter is not, uh, not, not boiler air. Is it bishel? Well, it depends how you do it. So let's do the, let's do it, let's do the right, the right way. So again, we start with my, we start with my, um, Cliche-ney. So now I'm going from my cliche to my cliche. -ney. I go into my cliche. Now, folks, we're not getting into the droplets in this cliche for a second, though, okay? That, that is an interesting point of discussion to be had. Okay, so let's say I'm moving into my cliche. I now pour it into my gourmia. Okay, we, ooh, we, didn't, we do need a cup at the bottom, otherwise, we're going to have problems. Um, one of these things about coffees, you know, is you've got to know what's going on. Okay, there you go. So, uh, so you pour it into over here, and now what you essentially do is you just, you just do the same thing a Keurig would do, but by hand. So if you go and camp, now you'll, 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 those who appreciate the Keurig sound, that's just the right sound, isn't it? <laughs> but it's not, a, it's not, it's, it's mechanical. It's not, uh, it's not, uh, so now you just go all the way down. It's just, uh, sometimes it's, you know, we Pavlovian, from a Pavlovian perspective, we need the sound to make it right. Can you feel it? Just right, yeah, we're going to get to the end. You know that feeling at the end when you hear the Keurig? Yeah, here we go, one second. Listen, listen, folks, listen. Ah, oh, it's such a good feeling. Okay, good. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, that machine is just doing this for us every time. Ah, oh, okay. There we go. And now we have it. Now we have. Ah, wait a second. So we haven't got there yet. Now, by the way, here we have freshly brewed cake up with the now avoiding boiler, avoiding visual, because from a cliche. Fantastic. But we've not avoided all the issues because remember, I put in the donut shop. And the reason why I put in the donut shop is because if you take a look at the donut shop, it actually has us put, put the cup back over here for the extra drips because this is not like the Keurig. You'll notice that on the donut shop, they have a circle in the center which is completely um, blank. 
of any writing. But if I were to take my pike's place roast, uh. there's writing in the center, which means as I pierce it, I've erased those letters, which is now another shilish. I was called moichek, and that's a real issue. So if I wanted to use my, 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 my single serve K-cups, what I would need to do is either use Donut Shop, Kirkland, okay, we're going below our, our, our expertise here, <laughs> or, or we would need to pre-pierce our K-cups in order to get this. So folks, this is not as simple as it always appears. One has to be careful about these kind of things. Um, so that would be important to do to prepare. Now, I want you to tell a little secret about the gourmet. People don't know this, is that actually it stores um, the, the K-cups in it as well. So it's another little piece of advertising over here. But nonetheless, this, is, this, this would be this. So this is an extension, essentially, of the, the regular brew. But however, the only, the only difference when it comes to this, like, timing, is the, is the only difference is is, is that when it, comes to, when it comes to this, is the piercing issue as well. So now let's get to say, well, folks, I don't do, I don't do mechanical things. I do machines, right? So you say, so let's say I do a machine over here, and I, and I want to set up the machine. I'm going to get to French press in a second. So let's say I, I do a machine. This is a significant machine. Most people do not have something like this at home. This is for multiple serves. We have this in Shul, and you're welcome to sponsor the coffee every week. Many, many people have it, and there are many brachas said. So it's a very kadai option. Now, what, what happens in this? So in this, I want to thank Dr. Huberfeld. So we have the same situation, just on a mass production level now. So I have my brew basket. So there's my brew basket. I have my, I have my filter. I have a lot of coffee over here. It smells very good. What you do is you put the, the filter in over here. So it belongs just underneath over here. And now, and, and now let's say I'm going to pour, my, pour this in. Now, while this is brewing, so we're just going to have this brewing as we speak. Um, let's say I say like this. Well, this is, the, this is um, you know, we bring a, a, a real coffee now. This is going to be many serves. For, for what we have over here, and this is, this is fresh ground coffee. Now, obviously on Shabbos, I couldn't do this. Why? Because this is my clearishon, right? Which means to say that it's actually boiling the water. It's hot as we speak. It's boiling the water inside here. There's already pre-boiled water, and it's putting that boiled water onto my brew. That is bishal midar So you say, I know that's a problem. So, but what happens if I'm so clever? I say, I'm going to attach my machine, even though it's a small machine, and I'm going to attach it to a timer. And I'm going to set it at 6.37 on Shabbos morning as I'm just waking up for the Hashkona. And I then need that extra kick, right? And I have my cup underneath. I have everything set up. And the timer is going to go on. It's going to brew my coffee. I'll be there. As I walk down the stairs at 6.45, there will be my cup of coffee waiting for me. What about that? So let's go, let's go through, the, through the questions. You say, okay, we have a little bit of a problem here because what's inside here? What do we just put in here? This is fresh. The, the, these are gra granules which are not which are not cooked, right? So what do I do in that situation? So this inter enters into an important shadow, which is what's called um, the, the the issue of well, there's three issues. Issue number one is shahia, other one is timers, other one is avshamilsa. Let's go through this quickly. Uh, qu quickly, when it comes to um, to 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 uh, to, to shahia, I'm not allowed to do the following situation. Let's say I have an uncooked schnitzel and it's rushing and I'm getting back and it's a winter Shabbos and I flip my schnitzel onto my, into my oven on Erev Shabbos or onto, my, um, onto a grill on Erev Shabbos and I leave it. I'm not cooking. I started on Erev Shabbos. Is that all right? So that's not bishal. Because technically speaking, you're not mevashal on Shabbos. You didn't put it on, on Shabbos. You put it on Erev Shabbos. That's an issue of the Rabbon and what's called Shehiyah. Shia is you're not allowed to leave something which is not cooked on, this, on, the, on, on, on Erev Shabbos going into Shabbos and the concern says the Mishnah is because Shema Yechate Begecholim what's going to happen is you're going to, you need to 
the guests are coming, the Friday night, the Friday night meal is happening, you're going to start just moving around the coals to, uh, to, 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 to hasten it, which is Bishel. So Shia is an extension of the concern of Bishel. So it has to be, so it has to be uncooked. Once it's already halfway cooked, then we're all right. But, uh, but what if the schnitzel is, 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 is less than half cooked, you're not allowed to put it onto the fire before Shabbos because of Shia, because the concern of Shem Yechad Bechad. So you say, what does that have to do with us? Ah, here's how it has to do with us. Let's say that now I do, I, I, put, I put my food on the stove, but the stove is not on on, er, on Shabbos, but it, the stove is going to go on on Shabbos. Right? So let's say I have a food which is, which is going to go on. So what's the example? So the Shulchan talks about this example. It says, let's say I have an already cooked food, and I put it onto my radiator, or near my, my um, and, and, I say to, and then I say to the non-Jew, please switch on the heat. Am I allowed to say to you, please switch on the heat during the winter? The answer is yes, you are, because we pass that I call cholim etzalatzina. Everybody is 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 considered sick when it comes to, uh, to to the cold. I can say please, uh, please, can you switch on the heat? But now I can also ask them to put the pot on the or, the, or this this cooked substance on the radiator beforehand, even though it's going to warm it up now. Why? Because there's no bishul and it was placed there beforehand, right? Why is there no bishul? Because it's already cooked. But. So the, uh, the, the, the discussion is, is, can a Jew place it there? The Ramah says, no, a Jew cannot place, play, place it there on Shabbos because that's considered a part, being a part of the process. It's like saying, I'll just put the pot on the stove and I'll ask the non-Jew to, heat it, to switch it on. That's considered cooking. That's part of the cooking process because I'm echod maybe a sa'ur, echod maybe a sa'etzim, and so on. But now, what about me putting it on on Ero Shabbos? Can a Jew put that part on the radiator before Shabbos, knowing that on Shabbos morning I'm going to say to the non-Jew, please switch it on, right? That's a, that's a, that's a question which is had. And the, the, the question becomes is, if it's already cooked, then, pa, then many other poets can say no problem, because there's no Shema Yechat there's no concern of you stoking those coals, you know why? Because they're already cooked. But if it's uncooked, I return to a Shehiyah problem on Shabbos itself, not going from Ere Shabbos to Shabbos, why? What's going to happen? Let's say I put on Ere Shabbos my uncooked substance on something which is going to switch on on Shabbos. Let's say on a mutter way. So let's say it's going to switch on in a mutter way. I'm telling the non-Jew because of the cold. Or a timer maybe, right? So now it switches on on Shabbos morning. But if it's uncooked, I might have the concern of I'm going to adjust it to speed it up. So if that's the case, I have a problem of Shehiyah. So you say, well, that's fine because you can't really speed up the process. Oh, but you can. Because even on my wonderful Eurotech Jewish product, uh, Jewish product over here, you'll notice that at the very top there's a button just called reboil, which means to say that it's these parts are not so good. Let's be honest, right? They keep it at a steady temperature. That steady temperature is not the temperature we would have our tea or our coffee on a weekday. So there might be an issue of clicking the reboil or Depending on what your coffee machine looks like, you may have to uh, discuss this. So this coffee machine is fantastic in this respect because you'll notice there are no buttons. There's no adjustment. There's no degree of roast. There's no degree of temperature. You cannot change anything. It has simply a plug. <laughs> I plug it in and it's on. If the water's going through, it's brewing. There's no, there's no, and therefore, says Ramosha Feinstein, in this case, there's an on and off switch. That's not Shemiyachate. Shemiyachate is, is adjusting, not switching on and off. So that means to say, that in a, if you have a coffee brewer, which has no adjustment, no temperature, length, brew, um, roast level, if I have no buttons on it, then you might consider that as Ramosha Feinstein does. Not a concern because that's what's called cotton. That means to say that the coals are covered, I can't adjust it, essentially. However, 
This is how I brew coffee. That's how I cook it in the weekday. That's uh, going to be a problem. Even if I cover the dials, if there's no dials accessible to me, that's the way you do it. As opposed to, let's say, a hot tray. A hot tray, no one cooks on a hot tray. A hot tray isn't made for cooking. That's considered cotton. That's considered un- not adjustable if there's no switches on it. It's just a plug-in, like this would be. But when it comes to this, Rosh Hashanah and the Shemesh Shabbat Kilchus are machmir on this. So on that account, more complicated. You say, what about timers? Let's move to the next thing. Is a timer akin to an allowed way to switching something on on Shabbos? And the answer is, says Ramosha Feinstein, absolutely not. You're allowed to use it for lights because that's what people reduce this. For no other thing can a person use a timer on Shabbos. Otherwise, this is a disgrace to Shabbos. If the Chazal were around today and they heard about timers, they would make it Asra as part of Mukta. Right? Um, right as well. So he said, nothing else is allowed at all. Generally speaking, the Menaga Olam is generally to be a little more makil. So, for instance, what are other things that people do use timers for every Shabbos? Air conditioning. Every air conditioning unit comes with a thermostat. The thermostat is four quadrants of the day, and people do set their thermostat that sometimes at night time it'll go off, or so it'll adjust the temperatures. So people do use timers when it comes to when it comes to ACs, and then it gets into a more of a we'll call it slippery slope area. What about my dishwasher? What about other kinds of things that people do? The are are very very conservative and say Rav Moshe said we shouldn't be doing it because otherwise this is going to be my TV on a, you know on a timer and everything, and, and then it becomes a whole thing. This is this is not the way that Shabbos should look like. On the other hand, the are say for things which which are clear that you did not do. You didn't switch them on, and this is the way of the world. That would be all right. So uh, it's interesting. I just want to make an um, interesting point over here. The person who's makeil when it comes to viewing a coffee machine that without a dial on it as being cotton and not a problem of shi'ah is Rav Moshe. But the one who says that the time is our problem is Rav Moshe. So I just want to point out that for intellectual honesty, we have a little bit of a problem over here for those people who uh, who care about that. So it doesn't come out on the same side of the fence. Um, but a beard is a maid. The last piece over here, which is worthwhile knowing, is what's called a notion of avshamilsis. The Gemara talks about in Shabbos Daf Yudches where a person puts a uh, where a person where a, where a person puts their um, wheat into a grindstone. The grindstone is propelled by a watermill. And so I do this on Erev Shabbos. Am I allowed to leave it on this? This is not a case of bishul. So there's no shemi yachate because that's precise. That's specific to bishul. In this case, it's really what's happening. What's the melacha that's happening? Is toichen. It's grinding. But the toichen is automated. Why? Because the water is going to carry on going. I, when I, we used to grow up, we, when I was growing up, we used to go to Cape Town for um, vacation. And we, uh, the, 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 the apartment building that we, we had an apartment in was called Albion Mill because it faced an old mill, water mill. So every morning we'd hear the mill turning based on the, the river would make, a, would make it go around. So let's say you, you, you put your, your, your wheat on, into that mill and it's going over Shabbos. So the Gemara debates as to whether this is allowed or not. Two opinions of the Amorim, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins. It's fine. It's not a problem because you didn't do it on Shabbos. There's no shvisas kalim issue. Your kalim don't need to rest. Your behem is not moving it because that would be a shvisas behemtai issue. It's all right. The Ramah says, yeah, but we're mach- we're, we, um, we, we are machmir. So the Ashkenazim are machmir for a case of automating um, uh, this on Erev Shabbos. And this is a b'makom hef said. If it is avsham milsa, if, and by, let, me tell you, let me tell you something, water mills are loud. You can hear it blocks and blocks away. You can hear it moving and turning. That would be, if I set something in motion on Erev Shabbos, which is audible to everybody else, that's a problem. The question is, what about a coffee machine? So let's say, let's say I paskin that, that timers are all right on, on a Shabbos, which I, many posts can do for, for basic activities. Right? And let's say I have a coffee machine which does not have any adjustable dials. Right? So I, it's, a, it's cotton, so there's no issues of Shia. Let's say the timers are right in, the, uh, 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 in this case. The question is, is well, but it's like, uh, is there a concern of Avshamilsa? 
So generally speaking, the way that th this is this is a sensitive discussion in in in, in the top um, uh, on this topic. Generally speaking, one of the one of the rules of thumb is if you can't hear in the next room, the adjacent room, that's not considered Avshamil. So that's not. So many poskim would say there's no concern of Avshamil. So that on that account, the coffee machine is not an issue. Remember, folks. Let's just go back on this quickly. When it comes to my coffee machine, it's taking raw grinds. It's in a klishlishon. It's doing the real deal. I can't do a klishlishon. A klishlishon when it comes to this. So now I'm having an activity which is going on. Is it a problem if it's set on a timer? Well, if timers are right, then it's fine. But if there's a concern, or if there's a possibility of adjusting my machine, the issue of Shia exists on Shabbos morning as much as it exists on a Shabbos night, and that would be a problem. So one has to be very careful when it comes to this to set up the right equipment. Let's go a little vital because I have a lot, one or two more things that are really important to, to address, if that's all right. Um, I know, I, I know, I know we're a little late, but I think it's really important to, to finish up uh, and, and do, this, uh, do this properly. We have two more, two more instances that are important to discuss. Um, the number one is, is, is a French press. So how does a French press work? Oh, we should have set this all up before. I so, so, so we, should have, we should have done this all before. So the French press is essentially, I take my, I take my boiled water, right? And now I also place my grinds in the boiled water. So let's say, so I put my, my so let's say I'm doing this on Shabbos. So I'm, so, and let's say I put a cliché-ny in between, okay? So I'm skipping my cliché-ny uh, here. So I put my hot water into my cliché I put my cliché into here, and let's say this is my cliché Good. Now I take my grinds, so I'm going to take my, uh, my grinds there. Now, again, it just depends. I'm not using the, the exact measurements on my hand. I'm using very precious material here, so I just want you to know. Okay, so um, um, now, let's uh, I put this all together, I'm, um, and, and let's avoid the mixing up. And let's say I'm just doing this for the sake of... So now what happens is I let this settle, right? So I let this settle and I give it a few minutes. And French press is really much more of an authentic way of brewing coffee than would be um, a filter because it takes, it, it's, it's, taking, it's taking time. So now the question becomes like this. Is there a bishul if, I, if, if it's an eklishlishi according to many points? Not. Again, the mission brewer would say there is bishul because it's raw grains. Now the question becomes, thank you so much. Um, Paul Paul is one of our dedicated um, coffee makers as is Shalom. So now the question is, is, um, is what, what, what about this? So when it comes to this, so when it comes to this, this becomes an issue of boyer. This because now, if you'll notice, if I start pushing down my the, the press, what happens is, is it essentially is a filter, right? And what I'm doing is I'm pushing the grains to the bottom because I don't want to drink my grains. And as doing so, I'm removing the psoilus. I'm removing the unwanted chaff in this case, which is the which is the grinds. In that case, that is considered boyer. However, you say, but that's not how I have my French press. French press is an experience, right? What happens is, is that I first, I put, the, I put it into my water, I let it sit, I give it a few minutes to absorb, to steep in the taste. And then I come back in 10 minutes time. By the time I come back in 10 minutes time, guess what? The, gra the granules have already dropped to the bottom. So in that case, is it all right? So this is talked about in Aloha, the, 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 the KOR in um, Rabbi Heber in, in, uh, in, in uh, um, Toronto has an article on this topic. And the truth is, is that if, let's say, it's all at the bottom, all the gra granules at the bottom, and I push, my, I, I push down my, my, uh, my plunger or my, 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 um, all the way to about three quarters of the way, what the water that I'm pushing my plunger through or the sieve through at the top has no granules in it. Does that make sense? It's already sunk. So that's not an issue of water. That water I'm not sifting. The moment I get close to the bottom, I have a problem. For a practical level, not a lachic level, a practical level, is I'm probably just going to push it too far. You have to be very careful because you get all the way to the bottom and you've essentially finished doing a borrow process, right? But also, but halakhically as well, is if there are still one or two granules that are floating and you're pushing them down, you still are borrow those from the water. 
So one has to be very careful. If it's really settled, there's a lot of water, and you're pushing it down, and you're clearly going to above the levels of where the settled grain, granules, then it's fine. My pouring is not doing that, uh, is, is not doing the sifting. That's already happened. I'm allowed to have my French press. Therefore, I'll be able to take my, my freshly brewed coffee over here and make my now, my, uh, what for our purposes now, is essentially my fourth cup of coffee. Okay, so we're all having a very good day today. Okay, now the last, the last thing over here, by the way, you can see this did not steep long enough. You can see it's very light in taste because we did not do it as it should be, but this was done, uh, done as such. That comes to our level of French press. The last issue we're going to deal with is the notion of via instant. You say, well, via instant is just another way for Starbucks to get more money. Yes, it is true, and they are ridiculously expensive at $1 a pop, but I didn't have, uh, don't have one over here. You know the little via sleeves, the purple ones and the green ones, and it's essentially a one-serve one serve option. So you take it, you rip over the top, and you put it in. So you say, okay, well, isn't that just the same as instant? The answer is not precisely. The reason is is because we all know that instant is not the same as Refreshly brewed coffee and Starbucks knows this as well. So what do they do? They say we got a, we got a hack for you What we'll do is we'll place a certain amount of finely grain gra ground real gra Real granules of coffee into my instant thereby giving it a real smell and a real kick to it So therefore it is a combination of instant and freshly brewed this becomes an interesting discussion because now they actually the percentages are that in a via instant you will have 97% is instant and three percent will be the finely ground granules of raw co raw coffee granules as well so you say well what do you do in this situation so the question becomes is what do you do when you have a mixture as such do you say there is bittle in such mixture complicated shyla because yeah the bittle is not something which is osser the bittle is one substance to another which actually tastes very similar to each other so the, the prima godim talks about this uh, the following situation let's say i have a piece of meat which has got gravy on it and the piece of meat has already been cooked and so is the gravy. Can I put that piece, uh, that, that piece onto a, a substance which is hot or leave it on something which is hot on Shabbos? Uh, is it a problem of Bishul? So you say, well, when it comes to the solid, no problem, right? Why, well, of course, by a solid substance. But when it comes to the gravy on it, the gravy is a liquid. Even if the gravy is pre-cooked, yesh bishol on the gravy. Says the Prima Godim, no problem, because what's the, what, what, what's the most of the substance that we're dealing with here is a solid. Yes, you have a few drops of gravy, irrelevant, because the main substance over here is, is the meat, which is solid. So you say the same swara applies to over here. The main substance over here is instant coffee. The secondary substance is the grinds. With the fine, the fine, the fine grinds. Do you say there's a bit in a similar situation? Happens to be Ramosha says you should only use this, this prima godim in a situation of shaza dechak. Now it depends how your fa much your family tell you you are in an uncaffeinated situation. But the problem is, is the shaza dechak. But the truth is, you could probably survive on instant, which makes it a little more complicated to do this. But let's say it's the worst of the worst. Let's say that the via is the worst. Let's say we say there's no bittel and there's grinds. Well, you just back to square one, which is where if it's going to be my Klee Bishon, Bishol. If it's my Klee Shaney, then there's a, then, then um, yes, for Kale Abishol, perhaps we put into that, in that category, there will be a problem. But if it's my Klee Shlishi, and I'm, and I'm Paschal like Rav Moshe in general, and I'm not a tea essence person, and I'm all right to put re, um, the coffee into for a Klee Shlishi, or like this, or Iri um, Klee Shlishi, like, a, like, like the net, then there's no problem as well. Just one has to be more careful with a via instant than a regular instant. Regular instant could possibly go into a cliche, not at the bottom, not, not pouring from a cliche, but into the cliche which is already pour, poured, whereas via instant would have to go into a cliche, which has already been, we, 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 uh, in order to facilitate this. Okay, so, boys, so I hope we, 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 uh, this has given a sufficient background to a very fascinating, complicated, and delicious smelling topic.